Pitch on the way. Fly ball to right field. Acuna going back. Acuna is there. He's got it! And the Braves have swept the Mets and dealt them a devastating defeat. You come at the Kings, you better not miss. They came into Atlanta, Georgia, and the Braves took them down three times. And the magic number's down to a one for this ball club that now has 100 wins on the year. 2-2. In the air to right field, Ronald Acuna back. Ronald is under it. The Braves have won it again. For the fifth year in a row, the Braves are champions of the National League East. What a team. And what a summer as they hunted down the Mets, passed them, and the Braves have won 101 games, and the celebration is theirs. Holy smoking vaginas. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is. The Atlanta Braves are world champions. Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Pam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're on in big, big jump. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by Mr. Cam Matthews. Cam, how you doing today? What? Shaking bacon. Oh, man, everything's shaking. And speaking of bacon that's been shaken, Cam, we have to congratulate you on having sex. That is not the segue you were going to use for that (laughs) announcement. Look, Jeff already got me with that once today, and I laughed for a solid 15 minutes over that tweet. You're not going to, you're not just going to lay that out there. I'm not above ripping off Jeff Donahue's tweets. That's fair. That's fair. You just got to be careful. He might sue us, and God knows we can't fight that legal battle. (laughs) He can't hang with his team of lawyers. That's for sure. Oh, (laughs) no. But All you Cam, can do is survive. The chatting average family seems to be growing. Yes, yes, indeed it is. Um, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw the announcement earlier today. But in case you didn't, uh, my wife and I are expecting our second daughter uh, next February. So exciting, Woo-hoo! exciting times here in the Matthews household as we uh, await our uh, child number two. And he's going to name her Alex. Isn't that nice? Okay. Cam? Okay. Cam? If you, if you really think you're, if you really think that's going to happen, all right. <laughs> it's a unisex name, man. It could work. That's fair. That is fair. Yeah, exciting <laughs> times. So this will be my uh, last season on the show, uh, in case you want to... That, that's a joke. I, I... Every time you make it, I believe you less. <laughs> oh, why do you say that? <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's not like I've started another podcast that I just do on my own schedule and record whenever I need to instead of having to set up dates to record with somebody else and, you know, stay up late at night. <clears throat> Cam? What? I want to go to therapy. This child is tearing us apart. <laughs> why won't you look me in the eyes during... <laughs> <laughs> I 
if you want to listen to chatting yardage you can check out a brand new episode which will come out this friday instead of thursday i run a little bit behind on this week's schedule but uh it'll be a fun recap of the prior week of college football and a look ahead all right all right well uh, speaking of recapping the past week, we are we're we're just going to skip everything and go back to the recap of the three game series with the Mets visiting the Atlanta Braves with control of the National League East on the line. This is a series that we have been talking to you guys about for months at this point, and sure as we promised you, the whole thing came down to it. Yeah, it did. And baseball, possibly more than any other sport, is controlled by narrative and and storytelling, right? Um, And so it it was very easy to see, especially towards the midpoint of the season when the Braves had finally gotten things rolling and they were closing in on the Mets and, you know, they were still trailing, but it was still within striking distance. By By no means was the NL East over, as... Uh, some people uh, wanted to uh, accentuate. Um, there was the idea that, yeah, it, it comes down to this. The two teams sitting at the top that are fighting back and forth that have traded places a few times throughout the year, it's going to come down to a three-game series. And I think I think the most stressful thing for me, I don't know about you, but the most stressful thing to me coming into this series was not actually the start of the series itself, but was the Wednesday night game prior against the Nationals where the Braves lost an in extra innings. Yeah, I mean that was the the last thing of course you wanted to see going into going into a series with the Mets uh, especially as high stakes of the series as it was. Um I well mean, if- the, you know the the thing about it was that you you had tied the Mets in, in the standings the night prior but then you lose a game of ground the very next night because the Mets won uh, on, on Wednesday. And so suddenly it goes from, you know, realistically, if you had gone into the weekend tied, very, you know, realistically, two out of three would have gotten it done for you, right? Right. Whereas, you know, as good as you felt. Actually, after- I, actually I'm going to back up because I don't believe that was act- that was the case. Um, because if, had we if gone we in tied? Yeah, if, because if we had only taken two of three from the Mets, they would still have had the tiebreakers. So that's if true. We ended the season tied, we would have lost the division to the Mets. That's true. That's true. So well, I, now know. that I'm saying it out loud, it makes me feel like that Nationals game was pretty irrelevant, and I wish I had been aware of that at the time. Uh, I mean, to an extent. But I, th- I think there was still just so much pressure going into that weekend, you know, regardless. Um, Absolutely. And the, the last thing you want to do before going into a series like this is stumble. It, you want to build some momentum and you want to take it with you going into this kind of a series. Right. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Um, and, and to lose an extra innings the way you did, it, it certainly felt like kind of a kind of a deflating moment of like, ah, oh, crap. You know, we just had a that because it was not a good loss at all. And then you realize that we're rolling into the biggest weekend of the season. Well, and if I if I recall correctly, it was a game with about a two and a half hour rain delay. So the Braves didn't get back into Atlanta until until quite late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So and and at that point they got back to Atlanta and and there were still question marks about what their schedule for the weekend was going to look like because there was a there was a hurricane scheduled to hit Atlanta and so uh heaven and earth needed to be moved to make this series happen and and keep everyone as safe as possible. Oh, those poor, poor souls that had to had to brave the elements this weekend in Atlanta. And then what happened this weekend in Atlanta was, without exception, the prettiest weekend I have seen in all of the years that I've lived in the greater Atlanta area. There has not been a more idyllic baseball weather weekend that I've I've seen, uh, save this past weekend for the for the Braves and Mets series. Yeah, I'm glad you had some good weather because it was <laughs> it was nasty. I sent, I sent the hurricane over to Cam, which seemed only fair because the baseball team was playing in in my area. That is fair. Well, and and luckily, uh, because we had such heavy rain expected for Friday here in our area, my high school football game that I was calling on Friday night got pushed to the Thursday night. Uh, there prior, so I was home all weekend, and I got to watch every single game, which is a rarity for Very this nice. time of year. Yeah. Well, let's get into the games. the The first game was last Friday night, and the stars were out. We had Jacob Degrom on the hill for the Mets, and Max Fried going for the Braves. Jacob Degrom throws six innings, allowing three hits, three or five hits, three earned runs, no walks, and eleven strikeouts. Max Fried, meanwhile, goes five innings, allowing four hits, one earned run, no walks, and three strikeouts. The the key to the game was getting to Jacob deGrom, and the, the Braves did a remarkable job in doing that. In the second inning, Matt Olson and Austin Riley managed to go back-to-back off of deGrom, uh, putting the Braves up 2 to nothing. And the next scoring was in the sixth inning. Swanson came in and homered off of DeGrom as well. So so despite having the fearsome Jacob DeGrom on the hill, the Braves managed to 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 take control of the game and and hit a bunch of home runs off of him, knock him out of the game in the seventh inning, which I don't think everybody expected. Uh all while Max Fried was was battling battling actively being sick. Uh he was seen throwing up in the dugout. Uh, after the fifth inning, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, that was it, it. I think there were there was rumblings on Twitter um, that somebody was warming up in the bullpen and Max was sitting on what, like 60 something pitches. Yes. I think um, it, he was less than 70 pitches at that point. But all of a sudden there's rumblings that somebody's warming up in a bullpen. You're like, hmm, that's peculiar. And then next thing you know, if if you're paying attention to MLB at bat uh, when we switch over to the top of the top of the frame, you see a different pitcher's name in place of Max Fried, And it's like, okay, this is very concerning. What is going on? And then when you come back from commercial, they show Max in the dugout racing to a trash can. So then it's kind of like, like you hate that that happened to him, but he's not hurt. Right. right? right. Like, like it's not, like it's not an injury. He's got a stomach bug or whatever it is. And luckily we have the bullpen that we have because those guys came in and covered four innings, allowing four hits, one earned run and struck out five. So great, great outing covering four innings from the bullpen. 
Yeah, just a tremendous, tremendous effort by by those guys to really lock it down on Friday night. You know, Friday was a game that you went into knowing that you you had to win it. You know, the entire weekend was going to be important, but if anything, you have to take game one, right? And DeGrom coming into this game had had, what, two rough starts in a row to very lackluster teams. So in the back of your mind, you have to be thinking – like there's a chance here that if we can if we can jump on him if we can you know if we can tack on two or three runs on the guy we have a chance here especially with our ace out on the mound and it worked out that way remarkably it really did so the Braves end up winning 5 to 2 Kenley Jansen who really ended up being key in this entire series came in and allowed a hit and uh, and a walk but struck out three batters to get out of the inning clean and save the game for the Braves how 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 puckered up did you get in that ninth inning i was pretty nervous i mean you you you, you had the bases loaded uh, and uh, and one swing could have flipped the entire game. Or no, yeah. you had runners on on uh, you had runners at second and third, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, you, you did. Uh, it, it's he's had a, he's had a rough go of things lately, right? But two or three weeks ago, I think was the worst that we saw him all season, but. Fortunately, it seems he has found it at the right time. Absolutely. And and this, it, it honestly, it, it's reminiscent of what we saw from Will Smith last year. He, he had it and then lost it and then found it in exactly the right series last season and carried it all through the postseason. So I am, uh, I am looking for, I'm hoping for, I'm praying for more, more of the same out of Kenley Jansen. Absolutely. So we get into the Saturday game. We have Max Scherzer on the hill up against Kyle Wright. Max goes five and two thirds, allowing nine hits, four earned runs, and only strikes out four. Kyle Wright goes five innings, allowing seven hits, two earned runs, walks one, and strikes out three. Matt Olson and Dansby Swanson both managed to homer off of Scherzer. So the, the power bats stay hot and keep carrying the Braves. Kyle Wright did allow the two earned runs, but that was all that the Mets were able to get across as the bullpen comes back and covers four innings yet again, allowing only one hit and striking out five. So yet again, uh, we get a relatively short outing from our starter, but the bullpen comes in and, and covers almost half the game. So it's easy to say that it to correctly say that last year's championship was really built on the back of a strong bullpen, right? Right. Um, you know, the, the work that that entire bullpen did last year during the postseason was nothing short of remarkable. And man, they are just really coming into form right here at, at the right time. Um, you know, the, the Mets, to give them credit for what they are, they have the type of offense that could could really drive bullpen guys crazy, right? Because when, when you come in as a bullpen guy, the less runners, the better. Because that's not necessarily something, especially when you come in with a, with a clean inning, that you're going to be used to dealing with. 
And so the Mets are really good at getting on base. They are really good at stringing hits together and getting on base. And our, our bullpen just did a remarkable job here in these first two games of, of containing that. Um, again, Kenley comes in for the save, locks it down easily. Again, we jump out on one of their best starters. And so at this point, you've taken the first two, you've taken out DeGrom, you've taken out Scherzer. Does it at that point cross your mind of like, oh, crap, game three tomorrow against a lesser guy? This is the trap that we always fall into. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, But uh, I think, you know, you still feel good going into it because the Braves have built the kind of team where if you have a if you have a batter at the plate, you have someone in scoring position. Uh, the Braves have relied heavily on the home run, and while that might frustrate some of the older, small ball loving fans of this team, uh, it's gotten them very far, and and that puts a lot of fear into opposing pitching staffs. Uh, one other stat about our our bullpen through the first two games, like I said, they covered eight innings through the first two games, only walked one batter. So love to see the bullpen coming into form and also making sure to not allow free base runners because that's something we've seen Braves bullpens of the past have some struggles with. Can we talk about just how good Rysel Iglesias has been? Unbelievable. It's it's unreal how good that guy. Since we we acquired him at the deadline, he's allowed, what, one earned run? Something crazy like that. Yeah, uh, Sunday just... was my first the the first chance I've ever had to to see him pitch live, and and I, I mean it. It sounds like common hyperbole for a pitcher, but the way the ball explodes out of his hand is yeah. is different than anybody on our staff. Even Spencer Strider, it just it it it, it might not have the velocity of Strider's but it looks different coming out of his hand. It's it's really amazing to watch. Well, he, he just he's built like such a powerhouse guy. And I tell you the the thing I, I love about the dude too is when he strikes somebody out, that like little half jog he does around the mound. <laughs> like like he, me he, when I'm crossing the street and trying not to look rude. Like, have you ever, like, did you ever have, like, an uncle or a grandpa, like, strike you out in the backyard? <laughs> that's that's the kind of, like, little jog that he does where he's like, yep, gotcha. Like, you know, that's that's what it feels like to me. And it, it's, I love it. I love it so much. I, I, I could see Iglesias being our closer next year and uh, not too many people being upset with that. I I wouldn't be upset with it. And there, you know, there were certainly times this season after we got him, I would have preferred him to have been the closer at, at certain points. <laughs> I, I don't think you'd have a hard time finding people to agree with you there. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, come back I, I, I could, I could see it for next year. I, I really could. Oh, for sure. Um, so we come back for the Sunday game, having won the first two against the Mets and needing the third game of the series to, one, expand our lead over the Mets that we have now taken in the NL East, and two, to take the tiebreaker away from them. Going into the Sunday game, the Braves and Mets had played 18 games against each other, with each team winning nine. 
So that last game is very, very important. Chris Bassett started the game for the Mets with Charlie Morton going for the Braves. Bassett got knocked around early. He only went two and two-thirds innings, allowing three hits, four earned runs, three batters walked and struck out two. Charlie Morton goes four and a third, allowing nine hits, three earned runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. This was a, a little more offensive of a game, a lot of hitting in this one, though not too much in the way of long balls from the Braves. We got a, a Swanson homer to start the game. We got an Olsen homer to end the game. In the middle, you had Vogelbach and McNeil homering, so it got a bit exciting. But ultimately, the Braves win 5-3, to three, sweeps the series against the New York Mets, take control of the NL East, reduce their magic number to one. So all they have to do is win one game in the final series against the Miami Marlins, and the NL East is theirs for the fifth straight year. It, it can't it can't be understated how how huge a sweep is there, right? Massive. You know, for, for all the re, for for all the reasons you just said, you know, it gives you two game lead. It takes your magic number down to one. It's you know, essentially locks in the division for you. It gives you the tiebreaker, and and just to to think that. If the Mets take any one of those three, then today looks a lot different than today. If the Mets take one of those three games, today we're sitting here with the Braves as a wild card team playing three games at home this weekend uh, for a chance to get to the DS. Now we have a little bit more of an opportunity to to set our rotation, to rest our guys up, to get some workouts in. Uh, and, and I mean, this is where where we wanted to be. And this is frankly where the team deserves to be. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's been there's been so much talk about what is and what is not a collapse. Right. Right and 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 so I I have I have a thought on that. So on June first, the Braves are back ten and a half games, and they go on to win fourteen straight. That really kickstarts their season. And since June first, the Braves um, have just been on a ridiculous clip. Best team in baseball. I I don't necessarily think the Mets allowing the Braves to catch them at that pace is a collapse. Because no other team was winning at that rate, period. All right, and allow me to interject. Wait, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not done making my point. However, when you come into a weekend where you have a one-game lead and all you have to do is win one, you have to win one, that's it. You have to that... win one, and you have Scherzer and DeGrom starting two of the three games. That to me for the Mets is where the choke comes in. Well, to me, what, it's even what, a little bit was before this that. It's it's the month of September as a whole. I mean, the the Cubs come to Queens and sweep them. They lose a series to the Nationals. Like they're they're losing game. They were losing games to teams they shouldn't be losing games to all month. Uh, you know, that, that goes back to the whole conversation about strength of schedule and things like that, that, you know, the Braves got so much guff about really padding their record, you know, for a good stretch of playing nothing but, you know, really bad teams. And 
you heard it constantly from Mets fans and, and Mets, you know, people that cover the Mets that, oh, well, when September rolls around and we get our shot at bad teams like that, then it'll be a different story. Um, you know, the, the Braves just got them at an opportune time, but the Mets are still in the lead. You can kind of, that, that's a fair point because the Braves beat bad teams like you are supposed to do when you are a good team. Coming down the stretch, the Mets did not. It's really as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily see it as, I don't I don't see it as the same way that I think a lot of people are trying to make it out to be about the whole 10 and a half game lead just because of the, the rate that the Braves were winning. It, it, you know, it, it can be next to impossible to fend that off uh, for any team, but I do think that, the Mets certainly missed their opportunities here late in the season to really end in this thing. Oh, they, they had every opportunity to lock it up and just, because it's not, it's not like the Braves had a great September either. No, you know, no, they, they had a really, really tough September schedule and, and, and did incredible work this month or last you month. Know, you know, if, if, if the, if the Mets win, two or three more games than they did in September, then again, we're sitting here having a very different conversation right now. Oh, un- undoubtedly. So uh, we we sweep the Mets, but there is still work to do. From there, we flew to Miami with a chance to take the NL East with a single win. Bryce Elder got the start up against Jesus Luzardo. Elder goes five innings, allowing six hits, four earned runs, one walk, and struck out five. Luzardo went six innings, allowing four hits, no earned runs, one walk, and struck out 12. Really rough outing uh, for the Braves, although you can't be entirely surprised by it as the flight from Atlanta didn't or didn't put them in their hotel until four o'clock in the morning on the day of this game. Yeah. And, and I think for the most part, people got that, um, you, you know, you came into the day with a two game lead. Uh, the Mets were rained out on Monday. So, you know, that trickles down to a game and a half at this point. I'm I'm not really nervous to be to be quite honest. Losing Monday, I, I'm I'm not nervous because you go not only from the whole late flight getting in or you know super early that morning type of thing, but you know I think just from a from a a standpoint of you just came from three high intensity games at home, you know postseason atmosphere to showing up in Miami, I I, th- I think it is a bit of a bit of a culture shock to jump into that game suddenly. And and it makes sense to be kind of sluggish. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. But at the same time, while it wasn't the end of the world for the Braves to, to lose the first game against the Marlins, I had to see him win the second game. I had to see him win the second game because the last thing I wanted was was the Braves to get to the last day of the season with a chance that someone else wins the division. Yeah, so I was fine for the second game up until about the fourth or fifth inning when we were just not scoring. 
Yep this this was a this was a game that that was pretty low scoring and very intense for Braves fans. Jake Odorizzi got the start, which not too many of us were excited about. The Marlins, meanwhile, started Braxton Garrett. Garrett goes four and two thirds, allowing six hits, two earned runs, walked five, but struck out seven. Odorizzi, in his final meaningful start for the Braves, we assume, goes five innings, allowing only two hits, one earned run, one walk, and struck out seven. My hat is off to Jake Odorizzi for going in and putting up that kind of performance in a game that the Braves needed to clinch the division. And you almost have to feel for the guy, too, um, because right as the final out is getting ready to get recorded by Kenley, they keep cutting over to Jake sitting in the dugout, and he just has this look on his face of just pure torment. Of wanting this game to be yeah, over for the I Braves remember. To win. Uh, so, so Braves end up winning uh, the game two to one uh, on uh, on the back of a, of a fifth inning William Contreras infield single that uh, that scored Travis Darno. Um, my my favorite thing was the Jake Odorizzi post game interview in the locker room during the celebration, um, because his response to I, I forget exactly what the question was but he said to kelly kroll i guess better late than never right <laughs> 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 and, and that gave guy. me a little bit of respect for him because i'm like you know this guy gets it like he yeah. he knows that fans were frustrated with with his overall performance since coming over from houston but I think well, all of all of that ill will is now washed away with with this one performance. It's so funny too because when you go back and look at it, you know Jake just has this deer in the headlights look as he's watching the bottom of the night, and right next to him is Von Grissom just talking his ear off for whatever reason, and Jake yeah. is just not acknowledging him at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, it was great. We got to see. We got to see uh, the Braves win a T-shirt and hat game. We got to see the Braves spraying champagne in the locker room. Uh, we got to hear Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker talking about the win. It was fantastic. So it, for it, the fifth it, it, year running, the Braves have taken the NL East and are on to the postseason as the number two seed in the National League. Man. Today, you know, I've I've kind of just been reminiscing about this season as I got ready for tonight's show. And it, it's just, it it's unreal the journey that this season took, right? You know, going all the way back to, do you remember the fact that we were locked out before this season started? Oh, yeah, we didn't start on time. Yeah, we didn't start on time because there was a lockout. Uh, we didn't start on time. The lockout gets lifted. We trade for Matt Olson two days later, essentially ending the Freddie Freeman era. We roll into spring training, and uh, you know there there's so much question. But then, like on paper, you look at this team and you say, okay, with Ronald back and with everybody healthy, this this lineup is better than last year's. You know, you you, you tell yourself that, and then. For whatever reason, again, out of the gate, you start off slow. But you tell yourself, "Ah, it's just the first couple weeks. They'll be fine. 
it's just the first month. They'll be fine. And then you roll into May, and May is just an awful month. And oh, you May end, was bad. You know, and then you end May on that bummer of a series against Arizona. And seemingly that's where everything turned around because, as we all know by now, that's where Snitker had his talk with the entire team in Arizona about, you know, look, you guys are world champions. It's time to start playing like it. And they turned it on from there. Um, you know, from June 1st forward, they played on what a 114 win pace or something crazy like that. Just something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, So I I think they, I think they won like 80 games between June 1st and the end of the season. This is, this is a damn good team. And I, you know, you, you hope that you have more to celebrate. You there's no guarantee to that because baseball is such a funny game. We have seen very good teams get knocked out early. It happens. You know, if, if certain things don't quite go your way in, in the way that baseball does, you know, certain crazy things can happen. But I think at the end of the day, you, you look at this team and you think, gosh, this is a, you know, this is a good team. They, this is a ridiculously good team. And, and you know, with how many guys we have locked up and, you know, going into next season, you know, my, my only hope, my only hope for next season is that we come out of the gate hot. Like I feel like this team can do, you know, I would love nothing more than, than to play two or three weeks and then look up and it's like, Oh, the Braves are 20 and eight to start the season. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like I, I would love in the first month that to start would be a out, nice April. Yeah, I would love for the first month to start out on a clip like that because I feel like you know there's there's too much talent on this team to not be able to do that. But I think this you know this season feels so much more different than any of the other NL East championships that they've pulled off during this run, simply because there was so much of a chase this year. You know. You you had your first couple of years, which, you know, year one was a happy accident. Year two was, you know, by attrition because the rest of the division was starting to decline. Uh, 2020 was pretty much a straightforward season which in which you had it because it was a shortened season due to COVID. Last year, the chase was to just find a winning record. But then it felt like once you got that winning record, in no time you were in first place and then that was it because the rest of the NL East again was just skidding along. But consider the fact that both the Braves and the Mets finished out their season this year with 101 wins. It's insane. We, we spent we spent the majority of this season chasing and chasing. It just goes we, to show you if you're one of the 29 teams that is not the Atlanta Braves you you can't let the Braves get hot. No. If you let the Braves get hot, you are going to have problems. And that, in short, is what happened to the New York Mets this year. And it's it, it, it's it, it's something almost strange to get used to with with this team, right? Uh because we haven't we haven't seen a stretch like this really since the nineties. And I'm sure, you know, people like myself, you know, a lot of our listeners we're not necessarily old enough to recognize that at the time. And so to suddenly look up and say, wow, we've won this division five years in a row and we are seemingly getting better each year. That's, 
it, it's almost hard with, to wrap your head no around. outlook to stop that trend next year, I might add. No, no, because you know the money is really coming in, and I, you know, that payroll, based on all the reports we keep seeing, is really going to take a jump. We have a GM who is, and for all I, my money, the best in the business right now. The Braves have not lost their division, and they've won a World Series in the five years that Alex Anthopoulos has been the general manager. But I, I think the 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 thing that I saw in the last week or so that that really gave me uh, gave me hope for the the payroll to go up significantly next season is the fact that we're bringing back Morton for twenty million dollars. Yeah, I don't think you give Charlie Morton twenty million dollars. Unless you know that you've got a ton of other money to spend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there, there's the whole situation at shortstop to, uh, to, to figure out. Of course. Um, but yeah. with every, with every passing day, I want to see Dansby in a different team's uniform less and less. Yeah. And, and, and talk about that story, you know, fr- from this season for a guy that, was like on a historic strikeout rate to start out the year. Literally was one of the worst hitters in baseball for the first two or three weeks of the season. Think to... about the total number of dollars that Aaron Judge and Dansby Swanson earned themselves this season. Oh, absolutely. You know, we see players time and time again bet on themselves, but man, it never it never works out to this degree. Uh, the only the only one I can think of that that's that's reminiscent is Joe Flacco. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That, that that that's a good. He one. declined a contract and then went and won a Super Bowl and got paid way more than anyone thought he realistically deserved. <laughs> Which was probably still a correct assumption, but oh yeah, that is that is neither here nor there. All but, right, so so guys, we're gonna get into some some postseason matchups and take a uh, take a look at what's ahead in the coming week. Uh, but before we do, Cam, you uh, you you wrote a little tweet on the chatting average account, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, just a, a, a little tweet, a little a little fun tweet, might I say, uh, as my microphone tries to come out of its stand. Hang on, there we go. Okay. Um, so yeah, I sent a tweet out today where I said, with game 162 upon us, how many of those would you say you have watched at least a portion of this season? Answered below to be mentioned on the show. And my thought was, eh, we'll get, I don't know, 10, 15, maybe 20 replies. Well, over 150 of you goobers replied to this tweet. (laughs) And... And because we are men of our word, Alex, lay out who all replied to us in regards to the tweet we sent. All right, you guys ready for this? Here we go. One take. Tyler, Chris, Andrew, Jimmy, Mason, Caesar, Carrie, Amy, Andres, Ross, Dan, Chris, Maureen, Ramon, Senior, Spencer, Binu, Mitchell, Trav, Brian, Agumptus, Brothers Braves, Ron, Caesar, Clemson fan 116, Katowitz, Susan, Kirk, Christopher, Jeremy, Luke, Rita, Gak, Russell, Big Wilkes, 
Tom, Luke, Mitzi, Jamie, Steve, Sharon, Habibi, Brando, Catherine, Janelle, Tim, DJ, Kevin, Buzzy, Zach, Brave79, Steve, Daniel, Wendy, Lindsay, Chris, Isaiah, Stephen, Rebecca, Osiris, Ashley, Cajun Packers, Jacob, JB, BT, Robbie, Jeremy, Holt, Thomas, Zach, Matt, Stevie, Jason, Jared, Bonnie, Mike, Cassie, Bootney, Jeff, James, Jared, Will, Daniel, Van, Josh, Nathan, Greg, Mark, Scott, Michael, Bo, Alex, Dylan, David, Sean, Kelly, Bennett, Andy, Phil, Jeff, RJ, MJ, Stanley, Sonny, Josiah, Josh, and Chris. <sighs> Good Lord. <laughs> Yeah, I was not expecting uh, that kind of response. Uh, but but thank you all for interacting with us. We, we love each and every one of you for interacting with our show on Twitter. And uh, and, and we're true to our word. Uh, well, if we say we're going to mention you in the show, we'll mention you in the show. Absolutely. So uh, just to highlight a, a few of these, uh, big fan of the show, Tyler Goddard said, I would say all close to all for me. Ask me this question last year. I say only end of the year, LOL. That's a, uh, that is a very fair answer. Uh, friend of the show, Rebecca said, counting today's game, 160, t- counting today's game, 162. I will have watched or listened to at least a portion of 160 of the games. I didn't hear a pitch of the second game in LA, nor the last game against the Nats in DC in July. So, uh, Rebecca, for those of you who don't know, is a Braves radio super fan. She and I have chatted a bit about that. And so, uh, it stands to reason why she knows what games she didn't get to listen to. Uh, of course, Jeff Donahue said that he listened. He feels like 135 to 140 games is close. Didn't watch any of the games that were on during vacation, uh, which is surprising because I'm sure all he had to do was snap his fingers and somebody would turn the game on for him. <laughs> Uh, Josiah said probably around 90% or so, uh, Bryce Elder fan club president said between having them on TV in the background, having six eighties fan playing on headphones at work, etc. I at least quote tuned in to probably 65 to 70%. Uh, you know, and the fun thing about this, um, was how many people said that they listened to a lot more games than they watched which is is comforting to me as a baseball radio guy that there's still that much of a market uh, absolutely for, for and we have it and it obviously it helps that we have a phenomenal radio crew but i i think this this little exercise we've done here has emboldened me to declare that that the Braves truly do have the the best fans in baseball if if some little podunk podcast can get this many people who have watched a hundred or watched or listened to a hundred or more games this season, which almost everybody on that list had, I mean, what what more do you want from a fan base? We are we are dedicated. We have numbers. Uh, it's as good as it gets. It really is. So uh, how about this? How about I turn the question to you? How many would you say you watched or listened to at least a portion of this year? Uh, I'd, I'd say around 120-ish, maybe 130. Okay, okay. I'd probably say I'm somewhere between 100 and 110. I've probably at least listened or watched a, a good portion of. 
this this is what we do. This is what we do. And, uh, you know, baseball is such a funny sport because it's so different than other sports where, like, you know, basketball fans maybe to a degree because they, they play fairly regularly throughout the week, but it's not every night like baseball is. You know, football fans, you have your designated days, right? Like if you're a college football guy like I am, you spend your Saturday channel surfing games that are going on on Saturday. If you're an NFL guy, you're watching NFL on Sunday. That is your day. You'll probably watch a little bit of the Monday night game. You might watch the Thursday night game if you remember that it's on. Uh, but like baseball fans are just a different breed of fans because from from April to late October that is that is what you watch at night it is um days that your team is off that's when you catch up on other TV shows you've been meaning to watch or you watch your TV show that your series that you're getting through before the game comes on like that's just that that's the routine and so it's fun seeing how many people are in a like mind like that. And and they're all over. I mean, we look at our 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 metrics that's uh, provided from our distributor every now and then. And and just like I said, this this podunk little podcast has reach over the entire southeast United States because of the type of fan base the Atlanta Braves have. It's amazing. It really is. It really is. All right. So we are moving into October. We have the postseason upon us. The 162-game regular season is complete. And starting this Friday, we are going to have the wild card round. In the American League, we have the Tampa Bay Rays going up against the Cleveland Guardians in Cleveland. And then we're going to have the Mariners taking on the Blue Jays in Toronto. Cam, do you have any feelings about those two matchups? I'm I'm ecstatic to see the Mariners back in the postseason. Um I I really I hope they get past the Blue Jays because man, I really want to see some playoff baseball in Seattle. Oh yeah. I I, I want to see that place just packed to the brim with Mariners fans because they they deserve to get that experience after I, two I, decades. And and we deserve to see it just as baseball fans. Yeah, the, we do. The winner of the Rays-Guardians matchup will go on to play the two-seed Yankees, and the winner of the Mariners-Blue Jays series will go on to play the Astros. Uh, so do you want to make uh, do you want to make your AL wild card picks, Cam? I, I guess, un, unfortunately, I, I do think Toronto gets past Seattle um, in, in that wild card matchup. And then as far as Tampa Bay versus Cleveland, I don't know. Cleveland's That's a tough one. I mean, Cleveland's uh, a hot hand right now. You know, and let's call a spade a spade here. We're, we're all Braves fans. How many of us watched any Cleveland Guardians baseball this season? Not a second, not not a, second. not a not a pure second of Cleveland. But I know that they have really turned it on here late in the season. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think Cleveland could take out Tampa because Tampa to me feels like they're almost in the postseason due to attrition. Because beyond those top tier teams in the AL. AL is just not as deep as the National League, in my opinion. 
it's really not. It, it, it's it's not at all. Like I I have a hard time seeing any of the four wild card teams in the American League winning in the American League Division Series. I I, I there's I I just can't see a path that doesn't lead us to a Yankees Astros ALCS. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. But for the AL wild card, I'm going to take the Mariners and I'm going to take the Rays. I think the Rays have a, a little bit too much pitching. Admittedly, I don't know a ton about the Guardians, but the Rays have been playing AL East competition all year. And uh, I believe that that toughens up a team. Okay. Okay. I I, I hope you're right. I, I really do. Because um, like I said, I I want to see Seattle. The host of host a postseason game and divisional matchups are always fun in the postseason. Yes, they are always. All right, so moving to the National League, a beneficiary of the expanded postseason, and that is the only reason they made the postseason. I feel that's important to say. The Philadelphia Phillies squeak into the postseason as a number six. <laughs> we had a few days there. We had we had a few days where oh, the man. Phillies owned the longest active streak of not having a playoff appearance. And let, they let would me, still let, let, have let, that let, streak let, if not for Manfred and his silly rules. Let me tell you. If if the Phillies had missed out on the postseason this year, I don't think y'all would have been ready for how I was gonna behave on this show. Oh my goodness gracious, I wanted to see it so bad. It's really a shame we don't get to see it. Because I I feel like from what our season prediction show that we did at the start of this year, I was driving the campaign of Seattle making the postseason and Philadelphia not. I oh, wanted yeah. it. I, I, I wanted think it. You might so have mentioned bad. that in the first episode of the year. I wanted it so bad. I wanted it so unbelievably bad because that's how petty I am when it comes to them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So. The aforementioned Phillies will be taking on the Devil Magic Cardinals, who got the three seed by winning the NL Central. They'll be hosting that series. And then the Mets, with the four seed, will be hosting the San Diego Padres. That, um... Those are two very interesting matchups. They are. So so let, let's go ahead and talk about the one that we could have been in against the Padres. That That is a sneaky, tough... Um, that is a, that is a sneaky tough wild card, and that shows the importance or or the weight of us taking the division. Well, um, and and the reason I don't like the Mets in this series is is frankly because of their style of play. They're they're as we've talked about time and time again this season. They're the small ball team. They're the ones that are gonna gonna win. Uh, via death by a thousand pinpricks um and in a three game series i don't know if you can win with that style of play i think you need to have more mashers than than the mets have and the padres have that and i i think they have good enough pitching to to keep them in games so it's it this one might be a bit of a stretch but give me the padres over the mets i it, it's it's all going to. Are Mets fans even going to show up for these games? 
Well, they certainly didn't show up for this last series against Washington, which is downright pitiful. And yes, I get that the game, you know, you had a couple of day games, but come on. That's that's genuinely terrible. Braves have been selling out day games. I don't know if people noticed. I I think this series will depend on how Mets pitching looks. Um, you know, I think obviously they'll be set up to run DeGrom Scherzer, but what DeGrom and Scherzer are you going to get? Right. And how good, if the Padres do manage to force a game three in that series, how good do you feel about having to run Chris Bassett out there in an elimination game? Or Carlos Carrasco. Oh, I, you, you know, and then here, here shows how hard, how much harder that side of the bracket gets. Let's say, you know, you burn through Scherzer and DeGrom. Let's say you just take it in two games. Guess what? You still have to go with a different pitcher in the first two games when you open up against the Dodgers. Right. And not only that, but you have to play the Dodgers and there's a chance, and, and you're only going to get to pitch DeGrom and Scherzer once. There's mm-hmm. almost no chance you get to pitch either of those guys twice in that series. And by the time you get get to them, you're they could be pitching with their backs against the wall. It, it it'll be very interesting to see, but I'm I'm standing by it. I'm taking the Padres to go ahead and face the Dodgers in the National League Division Series. And, and, you know, this sounds like, you know, we're really sliding the Mets. And I don't I don't want it to seem that way because I do, I do genuinely believe they are a good team. They just play such a different style of baseball than everybody else does. And historically, it does not translate well in the postseason. Right. For that style of baseball, you almost have to have a large sample size, which is why that style can be successful in a 162 game season. Narrow that down to three games and all of a sudden you're not getting those lucky breaks you were used to getting over 162. Well, you know, and and I've heard analysts talk about it already today that with small ball, you don't see postseason games where a team wins with 11 base hits or something like that. Nope. Right. And, and I hope I'm quoting this correctly, but I think this was the, the, the stat. Do you know how many postseason games last year did not have a home run in them? Did any? Two. Two. Okay. Two. Across the entire board. Two. And that's the fact of the matter is home runs win in the postseason. Yeah. That's so, that's part of why the Dodgers have been dominant for so long is, is because they have a ton of mashers on their team. And at any given time, they're going to have some guys going off hitting for power. And, you know, it, that is very much what got the Braves to where they ended up last year, yeah. too. That, that was a big part I, of I, it. I feel like I feel like Anthopolis very closely followed the, the Dodgers blueprint and, and we're sort of building the team the, that same way, just with a bit more youth. Exactly. All right. So moving on from there, we've got Phillies at Cardinals for three games. Cam, how do you feel about that series? I don't know. Uh, This is an interesting one because 
you have the Phillies who feel like you have the Phillies who are absolutely the weakest National League team in the postseason. Um, but who, they're a home run club. They are. They are. They they they've got some boppers in that lineup that that can hurt you. Um, and you know the Cardinals on the other hand are I, I would I would say are are a good team. They have probably who's going to be the National League MVP on their team. Um, they have decent pitching, but their potential downfall here is the fact that they pitch to contact. They they do not have they do not have a high amount of strikeouts from their pitching staff. This is a team that leans heavily on their defense. And I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily want the Phillies hitting the ball against me. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I don't want Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins putting the bat on the ball a whole lot. No, so you, you know, you start pitching the contact against the Phillies. I, that might not turn out too well for you. But then again, it is the postseason. It is October, and we know the Cardinals have devil magic. So, Cam, uh, let's let's look at it from a different angle. Would you rather the Braves play the Phillies or the Cardinals in the National League Division Series? I think I think in a way I almost would prefer to play the Phillies just from a devil you know versus the devil you don't know scenario in that, you know, we played the Phillies 19 times this year. We played the Cardinals, what, seven? So I think, you know, we have more of the book on Philadelphia. Um, just strictly from that standpoint, that that's my opinion. What about yours? I... I tend to agree, although there's not much about the Cardinals, at least the little bit that I saw from them in the regular season, that that scares me. And and maybe that fact should be the thing that scares me. And it um, scares me. <laughs> <laughs> I I I don't know. I I feel like a Phillies Braves series would be less stressful for the Braves. So give me the Phillies. Okay. Okay. We're in agreement there. Where I, I think I'm just still shell shocked from all the times we've faced the Cardinals in the postseason in years past, and it hasn't been fun. But also, too, they are they are seemingly the the National League demon we haven't exercised yet. This is true. We handled the Dodgers last year, and uh, would feel good to take the Cardinals out. What would also feel good is if the Braves were able to beat to play and beat the Phillies and then play and beat the Mets in the NLDS. Just make the entire National League bracket the NL East tournament. Best division in baseball. Best division in baseball, bar none. Yep. So can and, before- and then of course there's still a uh, certain American League demon we haven't quite exercised yet, but that's that's in the in the in the in the distance I hopefully want, hopefully I we get can, to talk about that what i want the yankees i think a lot of us do i want the yankees got a lot got a lot of work to do to get there though we do we do have a lot of work to, before we get there and uh the brave series will open up next tuesday the 11th 
So we get to hang back and watch some wild card baseball. Uh, but we've got uh, another week or so before you're going to see the Braves play again. That pretty much does it for our, our postseason preview. But Cam, before we get out of here, we've got some voicemails, correct? Indeed, we do. Uh, we do have one text that came in. Uh, did not give us their name. So can't really give you a shout out on the show. But this is an all caps. Never a doubt. And then in parentheses, except for those couple of doubts in parentheses. <laughs> so, That's a great uh, line. So I agree. <laughs> agree more. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, I believe this first voicemail comes from friend of the show, Will. So let's hear what he has to say. Hey, chatting average. It's Will. Just wanted to call and talk about how the Braves have put the Mets, as I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this voicemail is aware. Um, we didn't even use Fancy Strider. I'm going to be honest, I would be completely okay with him not pitching in the postseason because I don't want him to get to be Avery. My dog agrees. Also, I believe... The uh, Braves have to win one game in Miami to win the division, which I'm fairly certain we can. And I, I just had one more question for Cam. What day and what time is it, and what team does Brian Reynolds play for? Thanks again. Oh, for God's sake. Cam, what time is it? <sighs> it is 10.22 p.m. on October 5th in the year of our Lord 2022, and Brian Reynolds is still not a Brave. <laughs> that was one of my favorite bits all year. <laughs> God, I, I hope we can get rid of it. But yeah, to a, to a point that Will brought up that, that we hadn't touched on yet, prior to the Mets series, Spencer Strider was moved to the IL with uh, with an oblique string. So he missed the entire Mets series and the remainder of the regular season, we've now found out. Uh, but encouraging news from Alex Anthopoulos in the interview after the Braves clinched, uh, Spencer Strider is projected to be available for the NLDS. Now, with all good news, often comes bad news. So there is the news that Ozzie Albies will not be available for the National League Division Series, although they do think there's a chance that he could come back for the NLCS if the Braves make it. I'll, I'll take it. You know, I'll, I'll take him back however we can. Um, but, you know, Spencer Strider, that is huge news if we are able to, in fact, get him back for the DS. All right, and our final voicemail comes from a first-time caller. This is our friend Daniel. Let's hear what he has to say. Holy smoking. Wait, is this thing on? Hey, hey, Cam, Alex, listen. Long time listener, first time caller, you know how it goes. Yeah, just want to say, the Braves are NLE's champions this time in a row, baby. I'm way more excited than I sound because it is 4.45 in the morning here. Woo! But I'm just calling because I love you guys, and I love the Braves, and I am very much looking forward to watching the San Diego Padres steal the Mets signs and knock them out of the round. <laughs> and Braves are just going to be resting at home. 
And yes, yeah, that's all I got. My brain's fried this morning, guys. Anyway, love y'all. So brave. Bye. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> tell. I couldn't tell if he was still up at 4.45 in the morning or if he had just gotten up at 4.45 in the morning. I, I think he would be excusable. I, I think he had just gotten up. I think he was heading into work is what he mentioned. Uh, those those darn sign-stealing Braves. The Mets fans were 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 really struggling through uh, through that series and to the point where we saw some of them suggesting that perhaps the Braves were cheating. That uh that that series sweep really broke some brains. It really did. Like it was very odd. <laughs> odd yeah. and yet still fun. I I thoroughly enjoyed seeing them coping through the through all of this. All right guys, well that is going to do it for this episode of the Chatting Average podcast. To remind you, today's episode is brought to you by Sports Drink. Sports Drink is your digital water cooler. That's right, a newly created internet community trying to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're helping us grow, and they're hating your favorite team. Go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram or Twitter and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. That's spelled like sports drink, just without all the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We've only got a few weeks left in the season, and we're trying not to let the funk out. Cam? Yes. Don't let the funk out. Oh, no, the postseason's got kind of got me with some bubble goats right now. Not going to lie. My funk. My funk. <laughs> All right, guys. That's going to do it for the Chatting Average podcast. For Mr. Cam Matthews, my name is Alex. We will see you all next week for another brand new episode. Bye. This has been the Chatting Average Podcast, brought to you by Sports Drink. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash Chatting Average Podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash Chatting Average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode.